Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Bum, ba, da, bum, bum, bum. Goal achievers. Today is the day. I'm very excited to tell you my new book, The Miracle Equation, is officially out today. Well, technically yesterday. It came out yesterday, but it's out today. This book shows you how to move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. And if you've been listening to the podcast the last five or six episodes, we've done this Miracle Equation series then you know that. You know that's what these two decisions are about and what they will do for you. And I'm excited for you to get your hands on this book finally and read it and go in depth. It covers a lot more than just that. It covers emotional invincibility, which we've also covered as part of the series, but it has an entire chapter dedicated to that. How do you let go of your negative, destructive emotions forever? It's got a chapter on unwavering faith, a chapter on extraordinary effort, a chapter on defining your mission in life, all the things. And If you order your book today, or if you already pre-ordered it, thank you so much. Remember, you can get over $1,300 in bonuses just by forwarding your receipt to miracleequation at gmail.com. And the bonuses include the first ever live Miracle Equation six-week course with me. Uh, Actually, first live course I've ever done, period. So that's kind of cool. It starts one week from today on April 24th. And if you're listening to this podcast episode like a year from now, I'm not sure where that course is going to be. It's probably going to be for sale online. And uh, it's a $1,200 course. I don't exactly know. Well, I know that you get it for free. No charge at all, except for the price of the book, right? Buy the book, forward your receipt to miracleequation at gmail.com. You'll get the live course with me. You'll get a guided meditation on how to live the miracle equation from me. And then a one-page double-sided implementation guide that will sum up the entire book in one page front and back. It's really, really cool. You'll get all those bonuses right now sent to you. And then, of course, the course will be delivered next week. And uh, let's get into the episode today. Oh, by the way. Okay, so to order the book, go to MiracleEquationBook.com. That will redirect to Amazon in your country. So, you know, we have listeners from over 70 countries for the podcast. So if you go to MiracleEquationBook.com, it will automatically redirect to the Amazon that is in your country. But you can also get the book Barnes & Noble or you know um, Target.com, Walmart.com, anywhere the books are sold, and just take your email receipt or take a picture of your receipt if you buy it at a physical bookstore, forward it to miracleequation at gmail.com, and you'll automatically be enrolled to get all of the bonuses. With that said, today's episode, I'm excited for this. It's similar to last week's episode in that this is actually an interview that I did on someone else's podcast. This is on the Mike Dillard Show. But it's very different from last week's episode in that last week, I shared the interview that I did on the Jamie Masters on, um, I'm sorry, the Eventual Millionaire podcast with Jamie Masters. And what's very different is that was a 30-minute interview. It was a very concise overview of the miracle equation. And I've been told, I've had people email me, you know, I said in the email that I sent to you that uh, I felt like it was like an out-of-body experience, right? And I've had people email me back and be like, dude, yeah, it was like you were being, you were channeling God or you were like, you were just in this zone and that's how I felt about it. So I wanted to share it with you. It felt really, felt really good, um, right? And so that was a 30-minute concise overview of the miracle equation. Today, this is a 60-minute, more of a deep dive that will give you a much deeper understanding of the two decisions, unwavering faith and extraordinary effort. But beyond that, I really went in a lot about, uh, I went into a lot of the kind of the human psychology and the human nature that holds us back and how the miracle equation and these two decisions can uh, move us forward, right? Can move us in the direction of our biggest dreams, our biggest goals. This will allow you to more easily embody and apply the two decisions that make up the miracle equation in your life. And it was a similar experience where when I ended the interview, I was like, whoa, what just happened? That was like an out-of-body experience, Mike. And I said, Mike, similar to last week, I asked Jamie, I I really felt good about this dialogue that we had. It's really a one-sided dialogue. I did tell Mike, (laughs) he came to the interview and he's like, hell, he's like, I had trouble sleeping last night. I'm a little tired. And I said, Mike, don't worry, you're off the hook. You know me, I'm long-winded. I said, you only have to ask like three questions and I'll just 
I'll fill up the space with value, hopefully. And I think that's what happens. So hope you enjoy today's deep dive into the miracle equation. Thank you so much. For those of you that have got a copy of the book already, if you haven't, please go to Amazon today or Barnes and Noble or target.com, walmart.com, wherever you like to buy your books. Uh, please pick up a copy. It really will transform your life. And if you want to wait till this episode is over, because this episode will give you a much more, again, in-depth understanding so you can see like, wow, these two decisions really are the only thing standing between you and everything you want for your life. I love you guys and gals. Enjoy this conversation I had with Mr. Mike Dillard and go subscribe to Mike's podcast. It's, he's He's phenomenal. Mike's been doing this a long time. He was in the game, if you will, of influencing and teaching and writing books like way before. He was one of the first podcasters, one of the first, I mean, he's just, he's been around a long time and he's a very wise, good friend of mine. Our kids go to school together. He takes me out on his boat, wake surfing, and uh, he's a great guy. Check out his podcast, The Mike Dillard Show. And here is the latest episode. Enjoy. Love you guys. Mr. Hal Elrod, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Mike D, my friend. And when we say my friend, it's not just like we're Facebook friends. Like I hang out with you. Our kids go to school together. I go on the, we go on the boat together. Like legit friends, man. I, I appreciate you. It's yeah. <laughs> We've got a fun summer coming up ahead of us. I can't wait. Yeah, man. Me too. Yeah. The Austin uh, weather is, it's the summer's finally coming, man. It's coming yep. fast. Yeah, absolutely. So glad to have you back on the show. You've been here once before to share your unbelievable story. So if you haven't heard that yet, guys, Go over to MikeDillard.com, hit the podcast page and do a search for Hal Elrod and make sure you listen to that first episode. Many of you guys know Hal as the author of The Miracle Morning Book, which has sold millions of copies around the world. It's really become a movement, helping people turn their morning routines into one that really changes their lives and transforms their lives, even if you're not a morning routine person. But that's not what you're here about today. You're here today because you've got a brand new book. The Miracle Equation, the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. And uh, I've already heard some fantastic stuff about this book, man. So tell us about it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the Miracle Equation as a concept is something that I came up with in my own life six years before The Miracle Morning. So even though this book follows up The Miracle Morning, in some ways it's the prequel, but in many ways, it really is the follow-up. And, and what I mean by that is chronologically, it came before the Miracle Morning as a concept, as a thing that changed my life. However, the way that I separate these two books is the Miracle Morning gives you a practice for personal development. And when I created it as a practice, not as a book, it was how do I create the ultimate personal development ritual so that I can accelerate who I'm becoming. I can quickly develop myself into the person that is qualified, capable, and deserving of creating what I want for my life through personal development, right? So that's a very foundational Jim Rohn kind of principle that your level of success is always in parallel to your level of personal development. However, I think that many of us can relate to the following. And that is that we become what, what I call personal development junkies, which is where we get addicted to personal development and we actually we chase the ahas. And you can probably relate to this, right? Where we've all been guilty. You know, you read a book and you're reading it. You're going, oh my God, that's brilliant. Oh, wow. This, oh my, wow. That's revolutionary. That's going to change my life. And then when you finish reading that life-changing, revolutionary, eye-opening book, most people, right? Us personal development junkies, which I'm guilty of, all we do is start another book. You go, well, and that was a great one, but I've got this next, this one on my shelf and this one, oh, this is really the area I've got to improve. And we just keep going from book to book to book. However, personal development isn't enough to move your biggest goals and dreams from you know possible to inevitable. You need a process for goal achievement in addition to your practice for personal development. In other words, personal development is half the equation, so to speak, right? And the other half is, okay, well, now that I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm becoming more, I need a practice for goal achievement. And when I was 20 years old, I was trying to break a company sales record. I was one of the top sales reps, Mike, for, as you know, Cutco Cutlery. Yep. I sold kitchen knives in you know, people's houses. Right? It was not my dream job at the time, but it turned out to be the greatest opportunity for growth and you know, the discipline that was required to work a commission-only job at 19 years old. I mean, it was great. I started breaking company records. And this one particular time, I wanted to break the... So I'll be very specific here. There was something called a push period in our company. And it was every few months, there'd be a two-week push period, 14 days, leading up to a division conference, a regional conference, a national conference. It was always leading up. 
And it was this like secret, like you, no one told each other how much they were selling. And then you showed up to the conference and it was this count up from zero to a thousand to 2000 to three. And then it started out with a thousand people in front of the room and it whittled down to 500 and then 300 and then a hundred and then 25. And then, right. And it got down to the number one person. So it was this really intense two week period that culminated in this, you know, live event in front of thousands of your peers, right? So really cool. So I was the, one of the only reps that had ever sold $20,000 back to back in two 14 day push periods consecutively. No one in the 50 year history of the company had ever done it three times in a row. And Mike, let me pause here. Here's the deal. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this if you relate. Sure. Where when we achieve extraordinary results in our life or in our business, like you've done launches, for example, right? Mm -hmm. When you do a launch and, and you do a huge, you know, million dollar launch or whatever, and it goes, everything just, it falls into place and it goes right. Don't you often feel like, man, there was a lot of luck involved. If that hadn't happened and that thing hadn't come through at the end and that lady hadn't called and then that guy hadn't shown and I hadn't tripped and fallen and stumbled into this one guy who was the perfect person at the right time. Like if all those things hadn't happened in perfect, you know, uniformed synchronicity, I would not have achieved that goal. Can you relate to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what happens is then that creates self-doubt and we go, man, I got lucky. The odds of that happening again are not very good. So for me going into this third push period, I go, man, that last, those first two, you know, everything fell into place for me to hit that mark. And the odds of that happening a third time are not very good. So it's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of fear. Anytime we have a huge goal that usually it's accompanied by fear and self-doubt in some way. And I spent the couple of weeks leading up to the push period going, I'm going to do that. Like just getting myself like mentally committed. Like I can do it. I can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm going to do it. 14 days, $20,000. It can be done. I'm going to set the all time record. And we went to our sales meeting like the day or two before the push period started. And my manager, Frank, he said, Hey, everybody just, you know, push periods coming up. Just a reminder, the conference was moved back four days. So you only have 10 days for this push period. So you might want to adjust your goals accordingly. And that was the first time I'd heard of this. I raised my hand. I said, now, Frank, please tell me that this push period doesn't actually count as like for the record books and stuff because we're not getting the full 14 days, right? There's no way that it could count. And Frank said, how? Ah, no, everybody, sorry. To, if you're working on a streak or a consecutive or whatever, this counts just as any other push period. So Mike, as you can imagine, like my heart kind of sank and I'm going, no, no, no. Like I've spent the last few weeks trying to get myself to wrap my head around that I could do $20,000 in 14 days. The odds of doing it in 10 days, you know, 14 days felt nearly impossible. 10 days feels like there's no point in even trying. Right. And I went home that night and in my head ruminating and I'm going, what do I do? Do I just do I lower the goal? Do I just sit this one out? Do I go take a vacation? And you know, what I'm going to share right now is I believe one of the most important lessons for all of us who have big, audacious goals and dreams. And this is, I learned this from my mentor in the company at the time, Dan Cassetta. And Dan, he was one of the top managers in the history of the company, but he learned this from Again, our good friend, Jim Rohn. And I'll paraphrase the lesson. The purpose of a goal is not to hit the goal. The purpose of a goal is to become the type of person developing the qualities and characteristics of a goal achiever who can reach any and every goal you ever set or reach future goals. Hmm. And so the idea is most of us live in this black and white paradigm around goal setting either succeed or fail. And we literally feel like if I don't reach the goal, well, then I have failed. And often we don't even pursue a big, scary, audacious goal because the fear of failure. It's like, I don't even know if I can hit that, right? We yeah. usually pursue that, which is there's certainty around. Like, well, I've done that before and I could see doing 10% more, right? And so what happens is that keeps us playing small and, and staying you know, in our comfort zone, so to speak. But when you realize, well, wait a minute, and in that moment, the, what I realized is, okay, so what if I just commit to $20,000 to giving it everything I have, everything for 10 days of my life, not for the ultimate purpose of actually hitting that goal, but for the ultimate purpose of becoming the type of person, developing the qualities and characteristics of someone who I've never been before, like a better version of me. And then whether or not I even hit the goal, if I sell 20,000 or 22,000 or 12,000 or whatever, that really pales in comparison to the value of who I would become by giving it everything I had. And so I went, I'm going to do it. I'm in. Like, I can't fail. I literally can't fail because the ultimate, what I'm shooting for isn't the number, it's the growth. And so I went out 
And those 10 days, now here's simple math for everybody listening, right? Like I needed to average $2,000 a day for 10 days to mm-hmm. sell $20,000. And Mike, here's the deal. I had, had I sold $2,000 in a day before, sure. But I celebrated because that, that was a big day. Like, you know, and if you had it back to back, that was rare. Yeah. So to do it 10 days in a row mm-hmm. is, right? I mean, you're, I'm, just, I'm selling little sets of kitchen knives to, <laughs> to housewives, you know. And um, the first seven days, I needed to be at 14 grand. I was only at seven. Turned in my orders for the week. I'm 13 grand away and I only have three days left. I applied these two decisions that we're going to dive into in the the majority or the second half of this interview. These are what make up the miracle equation. When I decided I was going to go for this goal, I kind of reverse engineered it. And this is what we all have to do, right? We have to go, okay, if this miracle were to happen, and let me pause for a second, if that's okay, define the word miracle in this context, because I think that's a really loaded word. Sure, yeah. Miracles have a bad rap. It's kind of, well, it's like they're these random passive acts or, you know, you can't count on them. They're not reliable. They happen to random people. You know, the only way to make a miracle happen is to pray and wait and hope it happens. To me, you know, I'm not about passivity. I'm not about praying and waiting and hoping. I'm about making the things happen in our lives that we want to happen. And that's the context of miracles. Here's the definition that I would give to you. A miracle is any meaningful outcome that is beyond the realm of what you believe is probable for you. So I'll say that again and then I'll kind of break it down. Any meaningful outcome outside the realm of what you believe is probable for you. So it's a meaningful outcome. It's something, and you could call it extraordinary. I mean, you could really get loose with that language because it really is. It's you accomplishing something that you've maybe been thinking about, dreaming about, imagining, doubting yourself for your whole life or for years or for who knows how long. Yep. And so when you achieve it, it feels like a freaking miracle. You're like, oh my, I can't believe I did that, right? So that's the definition of a miracle. It's one that it's tangible, it's practical, it's actionable, it's a measurable outcome. It's not this woo-woo, make a vision board. Hopefully your miracles all start to magically appear in your life, right? So for me, in the last three days, I had to sell $13,000. And in the first seven days, giving it everything I had, I had sold $7,000, right? So Mike, you can imagine not feeling real confident, (laughs) that I'm going to sell 13 grand in three days when in seven days, the most I was able to sell was seven grand, right? So I'm way off here. But I committed to these two decisions when I started out. I thought, if I'm going to achieve this miracle, you know, what feels like a miracle, what will it require? And I thought, well, it's going to require two things. It's going to require the mindset internally, mentally, emotionally. There's a mindset that I've got to maintain for these 10 days. And there is then a method, right? I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to take certain action. And so I tried to simplify this as simple as it could be so that I could implement it. Number one, the first decision I decided that I'd have to make, I've got to maintain unwavering faith that I can do this thing that feels impossible. And if you study the world's most successful people in any walk of life, you find that every single one of them began their journey by establishing the faith that they could do something that they had never done before, right? No mm. one's born with skills and knowledge and making money and, you know, right? I mean, nobody's built with a team. I mean, everybody's born with nothing and then we have to develop ourselves into something. And so anyone that's achieved extraordinary results, they had to start by, you know, they check their rearview mirror and they go, well, what does my past tell me I'm capable of? And you go, well, n- nothing I'm trying to do now because otherwise I would have already done it. I've never done this before. It's new. And at every stage of our life and every stage of our development and every stage of our growth and and accomplishment, we're trying to do something we've never done before. And that's where the word faith comes in. That's another loaded word because it's like, well, oh yeah, what you just sit back and you have faith. No, no, no. It's faith in yourself. It's faith in your abilities, your limitless potential and your ability to live in alignment with and fulfill that potential. That's the faith I'm talking about. I'm not talking about faith in stuff happening for you or faith in everything just magically working out. I'm talking about faith in yourself. So the first decision I made is, and I wrote it down, and this is a very important part of, you know, in the book, I just give you the template, like word for word, this is how you establish unwavering faith. It's not magical or mythical. It's got to be practical. And so for me, I wrote down the mantra, I am committed to giving it everything I have to sell $20,000 in the next 10 days regardless of my results, no matter what, there is no other option. I'll say it one more time faster because I know it's a long sentence, but this is literally what I said to myself hundreds of times. And now I modify this and I'll, I'll give examples of my cancer journey and different ways I use this statement. But unwavering faith is established through a statement along these lines. I am committed 
to giving it everything I have to blank. For me at that time, it was sell $20,000 in 10 days, regardless of my results along the way, because that's where our faith usually goes out the window when the results mm. aren't what we want. Yeah. No matter what, there is no other option. And I said that to myself hundreds of times during those 10 days, especially when I had a no sale or a no show or a canceled appointment or a canceled order or the seed of self-doubt was planted. And instead of watering it, I replaced the fear with faith through the power of that mantra. And the second decision, I thought, well, you know, and you could simplify this by saying, I got to work my ass off, right? (laughs) But I thought I've got to put forth extraordinary effort. And let me explain this. This isn't just work your ass off. In fact, extraordinary effort isn't about, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk in it, 80 hour work days. If I had to sum it up in one word, extraordinary effort is consistency, Mm. right? It's doing something every day that moves you in the direction of your biggest goals and dreams so that eventually you get there. Your success is inevitable. It might take you a year. It might take you three, four, five, ten. But the extraordinary effort is about defining what is the process that will make your results inevitable. Meaning, let's say your example is you want to lose weight. Okay, well then that's a relatively simple process. It's okay, I need to limit my caloric intake and I need to increase my cardiovascular output so that I'm burning more calories than I am taking in. And then my success, unless you have you know a genetic defect or some sort of physical issue, for the most part, that is going to almost always, like 99 out of 100 times, it's going to lead to weight loss. If you're burning more weight, burning more calories than you're taking in, right? So essentially, it's predetermining what is the process that is required to produce this result. And I will commit to the process consistently over an extended period of time. That is the definition of extraordinary effort. So for me, I realized, okay, I've got to make X number of phone calls each and every day. I'm going to do that. You know, at these times, I got real specific. I committed to that process. That was my extraordinary effort. And at the end of the push period, In those last three days, when I was $13,000 away from my goal, it felt once again impossible. And I do have to, I'm going to make one really important point here that's a distinction, it's a nuance. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, but I don't, I get it. Okay. I need to have unwavering faith that I can achieve this goal or this dream or, you know, whatever it is. But like that's easier said than done. Number one, you put it in writing, you read it every day that the mantra that I just mentioned, rewind and listen to it, write it out put your goal into that goal and you read that every day. And all of a sudden, within a week, you start to believe it. It starts to acclimate within your being, within your emotional being, within your physical being. You start to feel the truth of the commitment that you are making because you're in control of the commitment. That's the unwavering faith. And so for me, but here's the distinction. The distinction is, Mike, I didn't really believe I was going to reach the goal. Hmm. And it's interesting, but that's my point. My lesson here, my distinction is you don't actually have to believe that you're going to reach the goal for the miracle equation to work. And what I mean is, if you would have said, Hal, are you going to sell $20,000 in the next 10 days? Well, because my commitment to unwavering faith, that decision, part of it was I'm not allowed to say anything other than I am committed to giving it everything I have to sell $20,000 in 10 days. I decided those are the only words that are allowed to come out of my mouth. And they're the only words that I'm allowed to think about and expand on and dwell on. Meaning the fear, the self-doubt, when that shows up for me in my mind, I replace it with this faith. And I am not allowed to go down the rabbit hole of self-doubt because hmm. that, right, that affects our behavior. It affects our drive. But if you would have, so if you would have said, Hal, are you going to sell $10,000 or $20,000 in 10 days? I would have said, Mike, Absolutely. I am committed to giving it everything I have until the last possible moment. And then if you would have said, Hal, really? Well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? How much are you willing to bet? Hal, I'll bet you $10,000 or $1,000 that you're not going to sell $20,000 in 10 days. Mike, I wouldn't have taken that bet because I didn't actually believe I was going to do it, but it didn't change that I was committed to those two decisions, maintaining unwavering faith that I would do it, that it was possible, that I was committed to giving it everything I had until the end and putting forth that extraordinary effort. It's the same way that the world's greatest athletes, like take a Michael Jordan, for example, right? And it's a little old school, but right? And he, I'm sure growing up, you know, he was the guy, right? For when, when we were a little younger. And Michael Jordan is the epitome to me of, you know, of a champion because he, he, again, he, when I was a kid, I, I used to watch him. And if you think about a Michael Jordan or any world-class athlete, whether it's a another NBA player like Kobe Bryant or you know LeBron or whatever, or it's Serena Williams, it's in tennis, it's anybody. I believe that, and I think we can all, you know, this is kind of a common sense thing. You can go, okay, yeah, I guess at some point in their career, 
all of these, I call them miracle mavens, people that understand how to create miracles, but all these world-class athletes, at some point in their, in their journey to becoming the best at what they did, they made a decision either consciously or unconsciously to live through the lens of unwavering faith in the way where Michael Jordan, when the ball hits his hands, he believes he will make every shot that he takes. And that's shown, that's proven through the way that he plays, right? So you see most players, if they take a shot, right, Mike, and they miss it, self-doubt creeps in. They're like, oh, shoot, Uh uh-oh, hope it's not an off night tonight. If the ball hits their hands a second time and they shoot and miss it a second time, the doubt amplifies. It's like, oh, God, no, man, I am off tonight. If the ball hits their hand a third time, most people, even NBA players, some of the best in the world, right, they hesitate and they pass the ball to another teammate because now self-doubt is dictating their behavior. And this is what happens for all of us. This reminds me of Conor McGregor right now. Expand, because I'm obviously a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, you know, he lost his last fight or two and everybody's doubting him. He's probably doubting himself because, you know, he was there. So it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens next. Absolutely. And, that, you know, and I'll tell you, Conor McGregor, uh, you know, whether you like him or not, I mean, I'm not a big fan of his outside the cage antics at all, but I can admire how he approaches being the best at his craft. And if you look at when he lost his first fight in the UFC that he lost, you know, was to Nate Diaz, right? He went up from 145 pounds, Conor McGregor did to 170, two weight classes, right? On a two-week short notice fight, Nate beats him, chokes him out. So Conor, right, a true miracle maven, I really believe that. He has unwavering faith that he can win every fight that he's in, you know, beat every opponent that he has. And so he immediately called for a rematch at the same weight class, even though it was two classes above his, and with unwavering faith and extraordinary effort, he came back and he beat Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. And so that goes, Michael Jordan, even though no basketball player can make every shot that they take, just like I didn't believe, you know, I I knew that it wasn't guaranteed that I was going to hit that goal, but it doesn't change that Michael Jordan maintains unwavering faith every time he takes a shot. Yep, And that shot is a metaphor. It's figurative for every time we approach a goal. It's the lens. Unwavering faith needs to become the lens through which you approach every opportunity that comes your way, as well as every challenge that you're faced with. Yeah, agreed. And I'm sure we're about to find out here. (laughs) We'll uh, provide miraculous results without a doubt. I mean, I can see that right now. Absolutely. You know, most recently, in fact, what led to this book being written And you were part, you know, we were friends along this journey was I was diagnosed with cancer two years ago and I was given a 30%, well, actually a a 10% to 30% chance of surviving. And I always, I mean, I say this kind of lighthearted, but if I say, if you're a pessimist, right, if you're a glass is half empty person, that is a 70 to 90% chance that you're going to die, right? Like, I mean, that's what I was being told. And for me... I made peace with death a long time. I died when I was 20, right? I was hit head on. You know, you alluded to to my story in the beginning of the episode, right? I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour, found dead at the scene. I died for six minutes, flatlined twice more during a six-day coma and uh, was told I would never walk again. So I had already, you know, kind of faced death and I was really at peace with death. I was like, hey, I'm, you know, death is inevitable. I'm ready to go whenever it's time. And, you know, it's great. Not great, but, you know, that is what it is. But when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was a different ballgame because when I had my car accident, I was 20, I was single guy. And now I've got, at the time, a seven-year-old daughter and and a four-year-old son and a wife of 10 years who I absolutely adore. And to be told that, you know, there's a 70 to 90% statistical chance that they're not going to have a father in this, you know, present, that that I'm going to die and leave my kids without a dad. Like that, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. And the day I was diagnosed, I called my wife. She was out of town, which not easy to not have her here, but I called her and I had to tell her you know, what happened and what the doctor said. And it was the hardest phone call I've ever had to make, you know, just knowing how she'd receive it, knowing that yeah. she'd receive the reality of what may happen and what the doctors were saying was very likely to happen. And we cried together and I said, sweetheart, I know this is the hardest news we've ever gotten, but, you know, I want to tell you a few things. Number one, I have unwavering faith that I will beat this cancer. And I don't know if it was before I called her. No, it was after I called her. But I had journaled the question, what will I do to ensure that I beat cancer and live to be 
and for anybody wondering, by the way, the name of the cancer is acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And I said, what am I going, I wrote in the journal, what am I going to do? What will I do to ensure that I beat cancer and live a long, healthy, 100 plus year life with Ursula and the kids? And the answer that I came up with within minutes was the miracle equation because I created it 19 years ago. You know, I told you guys the story, the push period, the sales contest. And I ended up, by the way, I think, I I don't know if I finished that story, but I ended up hitting the goal in the last hour on the last appointment. And it was in miraculous fashion. It was the wrong woman. The woman I was supposed to see for the appointment was not home. Her sister-in-law from Sweden flew into town who happened to be in the market for two of our complete sets of knives, totally random, totally miraculous, hard to explain. That's how the miracle (laughs) equation came into And that, And so what happened is right after that, I was like, that's crazy. But again, Mike, the same thing we addressed earlier. I felt, I'm like, dude, what are the odds that this sister-in-law from Sweden is going to be there? And she happens to be in the market for high-end knives and she needs two sets, one for her and her husband to take back to Sweden and one for her brother's 50th birthday party that she's visiting America for. Like it was the most unbelievable circumstance you could ever imagine. And that's where I'm like, this just feels really, you know, sorry to get woo-woo for a second, but it feels really serendipitous. Like what the heck are the odds of that coming together the way that it did? And so I immediately, I was coaching 12 of my colleagues and I immediately taught them. I'm like, hey, all right, for the next push period, I've got this strategy for you. It's kind of a woo-woo Lucy strategy in terms of like, it's not like, you know, send catalogs out to your past customers. It's right. It's like a little more mindset kind of, you know, yada, yada. So I taught it to 12 of my colleagues and Mike, we had a 100% success rate. Every single one of them went out during their next push period. And they surpassed their previous best. And a few of them broke all-time company records. And the validity of the formula to me grew. And I went, wait a minute. This wasn't just me. This isn't just luck. These are literally the two fundamental decisions that are standing between people and their full potential. And then I started to kind of go out even beyond these 12 colleagues of mine. And I kind of went like just looking at you know world-famous individuals, successful, prolific achievers, innovators, creators. And I went, these are the two fundamental decisions that every single one of them have made, not just once, but they live by these. They approach every challenge with the unwavering faith in their ability to overcome it. They approach every opportunity with their unwavering faith in their own ability to take advantage of it, to maximize it. And they're not lazy, right? No, they actually work their butt off. They put forth extraordinary effort and do intelligent effort and do whatever's necessary until they achieve these results. And that's why the rest of the world sits back and marvels at what I call miracle mavens. There's these people that create these amazing results. We don't have to marvel anymore. Like that's what this book is. These are the two decisions. And so when I had cancer, I looked back and I went, these are the two decisions. The miracle equation is literally the formula that I've used to defy the odds in the past. It's what you know we talked about on the last episode, we, how I learned to walk again with the doctor said I never would. It's how I sold 1.7 million copies of The Miracle Morning. Like this is the formula that separates us from the statistics. I thought the 70% of people that sadly don't survive, they're not living the miracle equation. Most of us, right? When you're given a cancer diagnosis like that and a 70% chance of dying, you live in fear. You live out the rest of your life, whether, you know, and hopefully that's a long life, but often for 70% of people, it's not. And again, I don't know each person, obviously, but you can imagine just the general idea that, yeah, probably living with a lot of fear when you're told that you only have a 10 to 30% chance of living. I didn't do that. So that automatically removes you from the statistics when you change your mindset, right? In the same way, the doctor said I would never walk again, but I had unwavering faith that I would. And three weeks after I was found dead and my leg broke in half, the doctors came in with routine x-rays and said, Hal, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly. We're going to let you take your first step in therapy tomorrow. And it was like, that was faster than I thought. But again, it's that mind-body connection. It's that you remove yourself from the statistics so that you can and will defy the odds in any area of your life that you're attempting to do that. Yeah, powerful, man. Powerful stuff. That's awesome. I love how you've taken such an abstract principle and that you know activity that we've all observed in others and we've probably all experienced at least once in our lives and you've made it tangible which is just really, really, really powerful. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sitting here while you're talking and thinking like, okay, how can I apply this to my life? So, um, <laughs> Yeah, Mike, it's time for you to stop being so lazy and 
you know, accepting so much mediocrity and do something with your life. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I'm still working on my sleep thing. So that's going to be number one. So let me ask you this. What if you have multiple areas in life that you want to use this in? Do you have Mm. two or three of these that you can repeat at the same time? Should you focus simply on one? How do you handle that? That's a, a really good question. I'll play devil's advocate. I'll argue both sides. But I'll first address the way that I talk about this in the book. In the book, there is an entire chapter dedicated to this topic, and it's about your mission. And it was 2005, the year 2005. It was my last year with the Cutco company. And it was going to not be my last year. I was going to be already done. I had hit Hall of Fame. And then I was like, all right, that's like the crowning achievement. I've got nothing else to prove. I feel like I've kind of fulfilled my potential here. I really want to be an author and I really want to be a, a keynote speaker and you know go down that route. And so I went to my what was going to be my last company conference. And I was checked out mentally and emotionally, meaning like normally I'd be taking notes and trying to improve myself. I was like, dude, I'm done. Like I'm I'm just gonna relax and just collect my, you know, I got some awards to collect and I just want to see my friends and this is my last, just soak it all in. My last chance to be at a Cutco conference, you know. And while I was in the audience, the two top sales reps in our region for that year, they collected the coveted Rolex. And the Rolex was an award for selling $200,000 of Cutco in a year. Now, I was one of the top reps, but the 200,000 mark was kind of like the four minute mile. It had only been done a couple of years prior, whereas the previous best ever was like 151,000. So it was like this, somebody made this, in fact, the funny part is my business partner now, John Berghoff, is the first person that ever sold $200,000 in a year he'd done it the year before, or a couple of years before. And so I'm sitting in the audience and my biggest year ever was, I did a couple of years at like 105 and 106. And I'm sitting there and, I'm, and I watched them get their Rolexes and I have the feeling of like the pain of unfulfilled potential seep into like my heart, into my gut. And I go, how? I'm like, you know, in my head, I go, you never did that. Like you're about to leave this company and you never really fulfilled your potential. You never, see, I, I, you know, it's a commission only job. I was in my, you know, I started at 19. I was really young. So making 50 grand a year was great money, you know, for my early twenties. And basically I would work for a push period. I'd break a record. I'd earn, you know, $10,000. And then I'd like take the next two weeks off, maybe the next three weeks off. Right. And I just go spend the money, run out of money. And then I would, all right, we got another sales contest coming up. Let's go work again. That's how I worked. I was never consistent week in and week out doing it like a job, you know, like a professional over the whole year. And I realized that in that moment. And I went, I'm about to leave here having never developed the discipline to be consistent. And I mentioned earlier, that's what makes effort extraordinary is consistency, right? And so I thought, I can't accept that. Like I can't, if I leave, and I think that's an important lesson for all of us that the greatest value, it's not what you do, but who you become, right? That that's what matters. And of course, the irony is how you do what you do is what determines who you become, right? Do you do it with discipline? Do you do it with consistency? Do you do it with, you know, enthusiasm, right? So I realized I have to give it one more year and I have to give it everything. I've got to do it. I've got to become the, and here's the thing. It wasn't to win the Rolex. Like that was icing on the cake. It wasn't even to earn the hundred, my first $100,000 income year. It was literally for the ultimate benefit. In my mind, to become the person that I need to be that has the capabilities and the mindset and everything else to achieve everything else I want for my life forever. Not just this year, not just... So, so it goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is the real purpose of a goal, you know, um, is to become the type of person that can achieve huge goals in the future. And so that was it. So I went out that year now, I had to double my income, right? Doubling my sale. I mean, increasing your income by, or your sales, your results by 10% or 25%, you know, 50%, that's a big increase. But to do it by 100% when you feel like, man, I, I worked pretty hard to be one of the top reps those other years and, and hit those numbers. And it's going to be, how am I going to double that? It was really intimidating. What I did is back to the extraordinary effort piece, I broke down the process. I simply went back into my planner. Back then, it was literally a written physical planner, right? This was 2005. And I went back in my planner and I luckily kept stats on every time I made phone calls, I would tally my calls for the day, how many calls I made, how many appointments I set, how many appointments I did for the day. So I got to go back and add up my entire year and go, okay, how many calls did I make to hit my previous best? If I want to double the result, double the outcome, 
It's as simple as doubling that process. And what I found is, wow, I averaged, it was something like 20.2 or 21.2 calls a day, five days a week. So basically, I made 100 calls a week, 20 calls a day, five days a week to sell $100,000 of my product. And I thought, so wait a minute, the doubling my results and my sales total and my income, that's intimidating. But if I actually look at what will do that, it's really just doubling the process and making 40 phone calls in a day is nothing crazy. It took me about an hour to make 20 phone calls. So I thought making 40 phone calls, and if you're listening, by the way, like I'm getting into the weeds a little here because this is a really important lesson, right? And this is, by the way, we're going to tie back in, Mike, to your, well, what if you have more than one goal, right? This Mm. is all, you can tell I kind of go, (laughs) I set context and and then try to deliver that answer. But so the point is I went, okay, 20 phone calls a day takes me about an hour a day. I've made 40 phone calls in a day during push periods many times. It's not hard. I can do two hours of phone calls a day. And then I went, wait a minute, this almost seems too easy. Like, am I missing something here? If I were to just go from an hour of calls a day to two hours of calls a day, super simple, I would increase my income by 100%. That's crazy. It seems too good to be true and too easy, but I'm here to tell you that's how it works, right? And so that year, I decided to make 40 phone calls a day, five days a week just an extra hour on the phone, not hard. And that year I sold $205,000 and change and had my first $100,000 income year, you know, six figure income year and hit the goal. Now, here's the answer to your question. What if you have more than one goal that's important to you that you want to apply this to? That year, it was the best year of my life by far. In fact, while I strive to make every year the best year, I don't know that I've ever made a quantum leap from average to you know extraordinary, from mediocre to miracles, whatever, um, than I did that year. And here's what happened. Going into the year, I thought, okay, I've got this huge goal to double my income. If that's all I do, you know, if I double my income and if during the year I put on weight and I'm unhealthy, and like, but if I hit that goal, like that goal is so meaningful, like, dude, I could fall apart the rest of the year and I'll pick everything up back up next year. Like, I don't even care. But then I thought, wait, I don't want to do that. I want to make this the best year of my life in every single area. I want to get in the best shape of my life physically, both through diet and through exercise. And I thought, you know, I had never been really muscular. I was always kind of skinny. So I set a goal to put on 20 pounds of muscle. I also decided I want to look ahead. I want to be an author. So why don't I write my book while I'm hitting my sales goal? I'm going to write my first book. That was another goal. I thought my dream is to be a keynote speaker. My goal is to get my first paid speaking engagement, even if it's only one this year. And then early on, I hired a coach that year to help me. And then I, within about a month of coaching, I thought, I want to be a coach. Like the way this guy is changing my life and my mindset, this is what I like. I was meant to be a coach. And so I thought, I want to launch a coaching business this year so that I can transition from my sales career into having a book published, a coaching business launched, and you know, being on my journey of becoming a $10,000 you know, paid keynote speaker, right? That was kind of the goal back then. And I also wanted to meet my wife. I thought, you know what? I'm done dating. I'm ready to start to settle down and start a family. So Mike, pretty big amount of goals for the year, right? Like yeah. pretty significant goals. If any one of those happened, it would have usually been like a stellar year. I thought, I want to all make all these happen. Now, did I know if all of them would happen? No. And here's what I did. And this is the lesson. I got clear on my mission for the year. And what I mean by that is setting goals is fun. It's a cute activity. We do it every year. Half the time we know subconsciously we're not actually committed to these goals. They're just fun and to set and imagine happening. And then at the end of the year, you don't hit most of them. And then you do that fun, cute activity again. And it makes you feel good while you do it, right? Like a lot of personal development, right? Affirmations make you feel good if you don't do them the right way, but they don't do anything. So going into that year, I clarified language is powerful, right? The language we use affects how we feel about what we're talking about, what we're thinking about what we're focusing on. And so mission to me, a mission holds a lot more weight than a goal, right? Like humanitarian organizations carry out missions. The military carries out mission. They're like life or death missions. It's not their goal to not die, right? Like, no, no, this is our mission. We are fully committed to executing in a way, right? Like this is the mission. And so for me, here's what I did. I thought, okay, I have all these goals. And what most of us do is we give equal importance to each goal by not giving more importance to any goal, right? Not prioritizing and just going, well, these are all my goals. I'm gonna work towards all of them. And usually we make a little bit of progress on each one. Usually we don't achieve, definitely not all of them. Usually not most of them, sometimes none of them. 
And what I decided is I need to focus. And then, you know, there's a great book that wasn't out then, but I'm sure you've read it. The One Thing mm-hmm. by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan, right? And I'm a huge fan of that book. And this is how they would teach you to set goals as well. I, I was ahead of my time, Mike, <laughs> 20 <laughs> years ago. But um, so I thought I'm going to have a mission. And then here's the way this plays out in your schedule in real time. So I've got one mission and then I've got, I think I had, you know, I don't know, seven other goals, let's say, right? Write the book, launch a speaking career, get in the best shape of my life, meet my wife, start a coaching business. So let's say, I don't know, roughly five, six, seven other goals. And I, so I went, I'm not allowed to work on my goals until I've followed through with the predetermined process that I've determined will make achieving my mission inevitable. And so it made it real simple. Every day when I woke up, instead of that internal conflict of like, oh, what do I feel like doing? Should I answer emails right now? Should I go to the gym? Should I work on that book that I, you know, right? No, 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 no. I'm not allowed to work on any of my goals until I've followed through with what I have predetermined and committed to will move my mission from possible to probable to inevitable. So every morning I made my 20 phone calls And I wasn't allowed to do anything else until I did. And then I earned the right by executing my mission. I earned the right to work on the rest of my goals. At the end of the day, I had another 20 phone calls in my schedule. And it was strategic where in the morning I'd call men and women. It was mostly women. I'm not trying to be sexist. Just it was, right? That stayed at home with the kids. And and that I knew they were home, you know, during the day. More often than not, they weren't at work. I would always ask on appointments. And then in the evening, I would call, you know, husbands and wives that both were working during the day. So got to hold them in the evening, right? So that was my commitment to the process. So here's what happened. That year, I achieved every single goal that I just told you about. I launched my coaching business. I transitioned into the year having 12 clients paying me. I mentioned them earlier, you know, but paying me $500 a month, I think. And so, yeah, I think it was five. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Anyway, they, it doesn't matter. So I had 12 clients. I wrote my book and published my book, Taking Life Head On. I gave my first paid speaking engagement. Actually, I gave two. $500 for countrywide home loans. They're not around anymore. (laughs) And that was 2005. And then one for a nonprofit in Pennsylvania. So I got down to 5.7% body fat. Do not know if that's healthy. (laughs) And put on 20 pounds of muscle. Met my wife, Ursula, who I am now married to with two kids. And did a few other things. Like I did every single one of the goals. And so this is, that was the longest answer ever to your question. <laughs> what if you have more than one goal? Yes, apply the miracle equation to every single one. Just make sure that you prioritize that of every goal, what is the one that is your mission, that is the most meaningful, that will make the biggest impact on your life, on the quality of your life, on your success, on your future, and most importantly, on you becoming a miracle maven, on you becoming the person that you need to be who has the ability to create everything that you want for your life long beyond any individual goal. I love it, man. Super powerful, super powerful concept. And the interviews where I talk the least are usually the best. And I think this is one of those. (laughs) I warned you in the beginning. I said, hey, I'm I'm gonna be on fire. You'll ask me like three questions. (laughs) No, but I'm just sitting here thinking and I can't wait to dive into the book and to go through this and use this in my life. So I'm just stoked. So uh, thanks, brother. Yeah, it's usually a sign that I'm lost in thought around whatever you're saying. So, well, awesome, brother. So where should people go besides Amazon to pick up a copy of the book? I know that you said you've been giving out some additional bonuses to people who buy a copy and all of that good stuff. What's the scoop? So yeah, so this is my first. I've written 12 or 13 books. They're all self-published, except this is the first. The Miracle Equation is traditionally published by Harmony of uh, Penguin Random House. And so that means you can get it anywhere books are sold, not just Amazon, You know, Target.com, Walmart.com, Barnes & Noble. But yeah, we're doing something really special. So I, you know, I really, as you can tell, I'm very convicted, <laughs> very passionate about this message yeah. and how this can help people. So I hired my first ever hire of a book launch manager. And I'm working with Tim Grawl, who is phenomenal. And what I love about him is he's not about gaming the system. He's about organic connection to readers, value add. And so this was his strategy. And this is what we're doing. We're doing something really special for... If you're listening to this right now, if you go order the book and forward your receipt to miracleequation at gmail.com, you'll get $1,347 in pre-order bonuses or order if you're... This book probably is out today, but but uh, you can pre-order or order the book and forward your receipt. And what you'll get is... And these are like brand new relevant bonuses. That's Tim's thing. He's like, Hal, don't do what a lot of authors do, which is where they like dust off like all their old courses and stuff and just throw a big random hodgepodge package. 
He said, no, no, we're going to create brand. I'd like you to create brand new relevant value added bonuses that are all about helping people to implement what they learn in this book. So we're doing a six week, I'm doing a six week online live course starting the week after the book comes out. If you can't make the live, you know, you'll get all the details when you forward your receipt, but you'll get the recordings if you can't be on live. You also get a guided meditation, a miracle equation meditation so that it can help you program these two decisions into your subconscious. And then you get a one page front and back implementation guide that has the entire book, all the key concepts on one piece of paper printed out front and back that you can review, keep top of mind every single day. So if you get the book today, wherever you want to buy the book, you can buy the book, forward your receipt to that email address, miracleequation at gmail.com, and you'll get automatically enrolled to get all of those bonuses. And, and they are only for the launch of the book. So hopefully you'll take action and, uh, and grab a copy. Awesome, brother. Awesome. Well, I'm sure this is going to be another big hit. And yeah, I'm speechless. What a cool, concise way to help people transform their lives you know, radically. And that's what I'm going to be working on here for the next hour. <laughs> so Awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Let me know and let me know how I can support you. You got my cell phone. You can shoot me a text. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Hal, thank you as always for joining us. I can't wait to dive into the book. Guys, go pick up a copy. I think this is one of those key cornerstone pieces that will absolutely take you to the next level. And I would challenge every single one of you to use and apply this methodology to your life for the next year. And assuming that you do, send myself and Hal an email, hit us up on social media and let us know what happens because I think the stories that are going to come from this are going to be absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. So brother, appreciate you. Thank you again. And uh, guys, gals, thanks for listening. As always, if you loved this episode as much as I did, please share it with your friends. That's the only way that we grow the podcast and uh, your referrals mean the world. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.